Welcome to On Demand. Today we're in James chapter 3, closing out our series, getting ready to get to the end of this. And I want to summarize a little bit of chapter 4 and 5 for you at the end, but I just want you to stay with me as we ride through this study. You can be strong in life, be gifted, skilled, can turn the world upside down. But if your words are wrong, your words can set your whole world on fire, can mess up everything. All you have to do is learn sometimes to control your words. This study will help you with that. James chapter 3, get ready, it's going to be great. On demand, just for you, with me, studying the Word together. Stay right there. Enjoy. Glad you're back. We're, we're really going to jump into something today that's really exciting. I am thrilled. This is a sermon uh, that will kind of tie up the book. Now, there's a lot about James I could say. We could spend a lot of time, but chapter 4 and 5, I'm going to kind of sandwich together at the end with two or three points that will just summarize those chapters. There's more to talk about. We can spend a lot of time here, but we've got a new study we got to start next week, so you don't want to miss it. It's going to be, like, really good. So hang with me. It's going to be amazing. Now, I want to today uh, just pray with you. Normally, you know, we kind of pray at the beginning, but I want to pray for you now because I know that our country is going through a great season. A lot of things are being said, a lot of words, so... Let's pray. Father, I lift up before you this nation. I lift up before you this message. I pray that what I say brings health, healing, and wholeness. I declare your word over our lives, and I pray that what you say today, what we study today, that, that you gave us to study will bring life and help to us in Jesus' name. Amen. Words are important. Words are fundamental in a lot of ways to um, the core of our, our nation, the core of our families. Words uh, are the thing that gives us life and breath. Um, sometimes when you're down, somebody's words can just lift you right up. But words can also have a very devastating effect. Or quarreling and arguing and being vicious and mean toward each other can take us down to places we should, should never go. And it can cause traumatic things to happen. James talks about this and in a way that's really powerful. And he gives us a simple summary. Now, so what I'm going to do is go through a few points uh, in James chapter 3 about words, and then I'm going to give you some essential things you want to keep in mind that James shows us. There's seven essentials that we want to keep in mind. So get your pen and paper ready, or if you want to, just download the notes. It's a simple way to do it, right? Download the notes, and then you can just have it right at your fingertips. First of all, notice uh, what he says in James chapter 3, verse 1. Not many of you uh, should become teachers, my fellow believers, because you know that we who teach will be judged more strictly. We, will, we all stumble in many ways. Anyone who is never at fault in what they say is perfect. Boy, that's a mature person. Able to keep their whole body in check. There are three things to remember about our words. And it starts off with these first observations. Our words often reveal our level of maturity. That's the first thing I want you to remember. What you say tells a lot about your maturity. Our nation right now is showing its level of maturity. And there are things we can improve on. But our words, first of all, they, they reveal our level of maturity. And secondly, our words can destroy everything around us. Our words have the capacity to disrupt everything and destroy everything. You can say one thing in a, content, in a family and destroy everything around it. Number three, our words can send mixed messages. We can confuse people if we're not clear about what we say. And our church has been very clear about 
for example, during the season of challenge, that we were going to be operating this way, not that way. This is important for us to understand this is our direction. We're not going in three or four directions. We're going in this direction. Families can learn from that. Here's what we're going to do with our money, sex, and stick with the plan. Here's what we're going to do with the way we manage our time, stick with the plan. Being clear and consistent is really important. As a father, that's been a really important thing for me. Say what you say to your family and mean it and stick with it. Consistency changes everything. So let me take you through a couple of the texts that prove these three points, and you'll see how it all fits together. James chapter 3, verse 1. Again, not many of you should become teachers. He goes on and says, anyone who is never at fault in, in what he says is perfect. Our words show our level of maturity. A person who can manage their words, he says, is perfect or mature. There's something about being able to just guard what you say. Now, I, I know you want to say what comes to your mind, but sometimes when you say what comes to your mind is really challenging uh, and not always true. One of the things I like about editing, uh, I write a lot, and, um, and <laughs> a lot of the academic work I've done, you have to write a lot of papers, and especially in your under, under upper graduate doctoral work and in your master's work. But it, even in undergrad, you write a lot, but you write a lot more in your upper, upper work. And one of the things that happens is you have to go back over, it seems like a thousand times, because you find errors. You didn't say it right. You left the word out. You didn't say it right. You didn't put the right punctuation. It's amazing. Words are powerful. And, they, and, and God chose to use the Bible as a way to communicate to us through words. Words reveal a lot about you, your interpretation, the way you process words. And so what, what would be true about your level of maturity when it comes to words? I'm not talking about having perfect grammar. I'm talking about how you communicate words. Do you find that you only can cuss people out and yell at people and scream at people? Sometimes I watch parents. They, they yell at their kids because they just aren't mature enough to talk to them. Let me say it again. Parents yell because they're not mature enough to talk. You can't talk first. You, can't, you strike first because you don't know how to talk. You don't know how to communicate. There's something important about developing a mature ability to communicate. That's why some marriages don't work because you don't communicate well. You, you bite, you hurt, you, you scratch, you elbow. Those things don't work. And sometimes that's one of the things that hurts you. Our level of maturity is often revealed in our words. Number two, I said our words can destroy everything around us. Look at verse three. When our, and he goes to this really long explanation of how words work and how you put bits in a horse's mouth. And look, look what he says, verse three. When we put bits into the mouths of our horses to make them obey us, we can turn the whole animal or, or take ships as an example, although they are so large and are driven by strong winds, they are steered by a very small rudder wherever the pilot wants to go. Likewise, likewise, verse, verse 5 now, the tongue is a small part of the body. It makes great boasts. Consider what a great forest is set on fire by small spark. The tongue also is a fire, a world of evil among the parts of the body. It corrupts the whole body, sets the whole course of one's life on fire and itself on fire. And itself, it says, set on fire by hell. In other words, it can set your whole life ablaze. One comment, one, one insensitive um, approach or a consistent pattern of it can just cause everything around you to fall apart. I am so amazed at the profound ability that words have on people. 
When I counsel people, one of the things that I notice is they are recounting to me words that people say. Things a father said, things a mother said, things that a child said. And those words literally burned down the whole relationship, burned down the entire confidence of the person. The person came into the relationship with confidence, but when they live with you and listen to your constant complaining and your constant condemning and comparing them against others and all the things you do that are unwise, it burns up their faith and confidence in themselves. And I have to really be careful what words I listen to and who I allow to have access to influence me with their words. Because words do destroy churches, it destroys businesses, it can destroy client bases, it can destroy everything. Thirdly, our words, he says, can, can send mixed messages. Look at verse 7. All kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, and, and sea creatures are being tamed and have been tamed by mankind, but no, one, no, no human being can tame the tongue. That's powerful. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. On its own, it gets bad. On its own, without being controlled, without being driven, I always tell people you drive your thoughts the way you drive a car. You drive your words the same way. You have to drive them. You have to say, no, you don't say that. No, you don't talk to your husband that way. No, you don't talk to your wife that way. You don't say that to your kids. No, you never say that to your kids. You never say that to your boss. They're just, the way you drive your words can change your life. Some of you are missing opportunity because you just don't know how to talk to people. Your whole approach, and some of you just say, that's right, tell them. Stop bothering them. I'm talking to you. Don't you help me out. You let them talk for themselves. I want you to look at the preacher and hear me today. It's about you being clear. Because some of you, you're in the room with people, and if you're not careful, you start picking on people, and you miss the whole point of the message. This is about your tongue. I want, I want to focus on Ricky, and I want you to focus on you. Look at verse, 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 verse 10. Out of the same mouth comes praise and cursing. My brothers and sisters, this should not be. Can, can both fresh water and, and salt water flow from the same spring. My brothers and sisters, can a fig tree, can a fig tree bear olives or a grapevine bear figs? Neither can a salt spring produce fresh water. Pause and think about that. It just doesn't work. You can't have healthy and unhealthy communication at the same time. You can't have salt water and fresh water flow in the same river. At some point, you've got to, and there are moments where they do merge. I know that in some parts of the world. Some of you people who know and understand rivers know there are seasons and places where that happens, but the bottom line is that's not a normal flow, and that's what he's saying. You cannot do that. I think it's essential for you to take a step back and, and kind of write down or note seven essentials that we should remember when we talk. When you talk, these are seven essential things you don't want to ever forget. Number one, showing wisdom is essential when you speak. When you talk, you want to be wise. He said in verse chapter 3, verse 13, Who is wise and understanding among you? Let them show it by their good life, by deeds done in, in, the, in humility that comes from wisdom. You want to be wise. You know, and wise really is, is, is just kind of like smart. It's like the, it's not just knowledge, it's the right application of knowledge. So you think about what you're going to say, and you say, what's the wise thing to say in this moment? What's the, is it the wise moment to even comment? What's wise? Not just what I feel emotionally, but what's wise to say? Number two, you have to acknowledge our attitude towards temptations when you are talking. That's essential. He says you need to acknowledge that there are certain things that you're tempted to do. 
And this, is, this takes us beyond just talking. It talks about just our life. And as James kind of closes out the book, which is a very small book, five chapters, he basically says, I want, you to, I want you to think about for a minute how essential it is for you to make sure you're wise, make sure you, it's, it's essential for you to, to be honest about your attitude towards the temptations you're dealing with. Look at verse 14. If you um, harbor bitter envy and selfish ambitions in your hearts, do not boast about it or, or deny the truth. Such wisdom does not come from heaven, but is earthly, unspiritual, demonic. For where you have evil, envy rather, and selfish ambitions, there you find disorder and every evil practice. If you're not honest about what's tempting you, if you're not honest about the things that have come into your life and they're pulling you away, and generally what happens is your words reflect this. So your words start becoming more envy-driven, um, denying the truth, uh, sounds more uh, self-ambitious, boastful. All of that flows out of a, a, a real bad perspective on the world, and it's what can destroy everything in your world. And it's essential that you don't. So number one, showing wisdom is essential. Number two, acknowledging your attitude towards temptations and saying, these are the th ways I'm tempted to live, and therefore I need to acknowledge them, and I need to make sure I don't fall into them. That's what James said. Don't let these be your works. I want you to be a confident believer who serves God, but I don't want you to do these things. And I fight these all the time. It's easy for me if I'm not careful. Fall into these traps. Third thing he says, it's essential that you become a peacemaker. That when you speak, when you communicate, make sure that the goal is to be a peacemaker. Look what he says in verse 17. But the wisdom that comes from heaven is first of all pure, then peace-loving, love that. We need that in these days, right? Considerate, we need that too. Submissive, we do need that today. Full of mercy and good fruit, impartial, need that too, and sincere. Peacemakers who sow in peace reap, in, reap a harvest of righteousness. My words need to be focused on being a peacemaker. I need to find a way to come together. So you got three so far, right? Wisdom is essential, right? Acknowledging how your attitude towards temptations is essential. I'm tempted to be this way, be mean, be unkind, be envious, admit that. Thirdly, I need to be a peacemaker. I need to admit I'm not, my words don't say I'm a peacemaker. When I communicate, it doesn't come out that way. James says that should be your focus. Number four, and these are things I'm going to list. I'm not going to read the verses because it gets to be too long, but I want you to think with me about these next three, four points because these are things that he says as he closes the book you need to make sure you get. James has started out his book, and I want to go back a little bit, and he says in James chapter, chapter 1, he talks about the importance of a person not just having faith, but having works. And not just talking about faith, but talking about works. Works without faith is, faith without works rather is dead, that's what he says. It's important for me to be a person who understands that just because I say I have faith, but if I don't have the works to back it up, then it doesn't matter. And part of the works is march, watching my words. I need to be wise. I need to be honest about my temptations. I need to be a peacemaker. And then number, you ready? Number three, number four rather, I need to be humble and submitted. Humility is important. 
chapter 4, verse 6 through 7. Being humble under God's hand and allowing God's grace, being teachable. That's really important. We're becoming a nation of know-it-alls, a nation of we got it, we figured it out. And then he said, number five, being kind to those you have an advantage over in chapter five. He talks about the importance of, of, of being kind. And he said that earlier in our study when he says, don't show favoritism to people. Be fair. We talked about that. Then number six, he says, be patient and truthful. That's essential. It's essential if you're going to get anywhere, you got to be truthful. You'll never learn how to watch your words if you don't come to that place where you're truthful. You have to say to yourself, I, am, I have a tendency to be this way. And you may look great, you may dress great, you may sound great, but you have a tendency to be unkind in your words. You have to be patient and truthful about that and tell, tell the truth. And then lastly, be committed to praying. The fervent effectual prayer of a righteous man avails much. And in chapter 5, he talks about that from chapter 5, verse 515, the importance of, of being a praying person who comes to God and admits what you need from God. The book of James is about people being honest. That's the bottom line. Honestly looking at their works, honestly looking at their behavior, honestly looking at their, their decisions, honestly saying, here's where I am. One of the most important things I think I've ever done in life is have that honest moment with myself and say to myself, Temple, you really, really do need to back this train up a little bit and look at what you're doing. The whole book of James from chapter one to chapter five is all about what we're doing. It's that great moment where he pulls the believers aside and says, okay, you want to tell me about your faith. You want to tell me about what you believe about Jesus. You want to tell me all about your church. You want to tell me all about this, but, but what about your works? When I zoom in close, what about your works? Here's the greatest lesson we learned in this season in our country. We see the works. Our works reveal a lot about us. Our words reveal a lot about us. Our attitude towards others reveals a lot about us. The way that we manage each other's failures, the way we look, the way we manage the poor tells us a lot about us. And what we're learning is we still need to make sure that our words line up with what we say we believe. Faith without works is dead. Without you having a clear sense of God's call on your life and a clear sense of what, how I connect these two, you're just, like you said in, in Corinthians, a sounding brass and a tinkling cymbal. 1 Corinthians 13 says love is really the key measurement of your faith. It's what makes it work. And that love must be manifested. So are you manifesting it in your family, on your job, in your church? And are we manifesting in America? Are we kind to each other? Are we considerate of each other? Are we working together? We have to find a way to do that. And you have to find a way to do that in your family. And if you don't, then the sad word is, you know, just hard to hear. But Jesus said a house divided can't stand. There's something about making a decision to change. And that's what we're going to talk about next week the power of a decision. Making a decision to change is important. How do you make a decision? I want to give you, um, take you on a journey. I'm going to give you a book to read next week. And I'm going to also show you three things that you do. It's a great author and I'll leave you hanging to next week, but I'm going to show you three things you do to help you make decisions. And these three steps can change everything. And some of us really, really have, <laughs> have a, a bad tendency to keep making the 
wrong decisions over and over and over again. I'll give you one hint. You might like this. You're going to need a map, an honest map. Did you write down the truth about your life? An honest map that says this is the truth. And then once you put that map down, that, that truth down, you then have to predict what's going to happen. Based on that, you make new decisions. Some of you need to look at the map. My marriage is full of strife and tension. What's going to happen if we stay on this road? What do we predict will be the outcome? What decision do we need to make to change this? The Lord, you know, gave us some great examples in the Bible. I love the words of Joshua. He said, ask for me and my house. We're going to make a new decision. We're going, to, we're going to go this way. We're not going that way. I pray that you would join me, and I pray that you would join me in prayer and ask God to help you be uniquely committed to focusing and doing the right things. I am working hard now. Lord, help me make the right decision. But it starts with an honest truth, an honest map. If you ever get lost, I've been lost a couple of times. <laughs> if you've been lost, well, a couple of times when I was younger, and on one, once on a camping trip. And part of the issue of finding your way is knowing where you are and then being honest about where you are. If you're, if you need, if you're not honest about where you are, you're never going to change anything. It's all just a bunch of dreams and thoughts. Let's pray. Father, I pray for this moment when we hear the truth about our life and we know that, first of all, our words are wrong. We're burning down our family, burning down our relationships, burning up our opportunities because we're angry and saying things we shouldn't say. Lord, we need to come to a place where we focus on what's essential. There are certain attitudes and words we need to essentially put into our life, facing the truth about our temptations, facing the truth about ourselves, saying what's right, being clear. Father, help us to take these principles and apply them to our life. And may this be the beginning of a new day for us. And may we as a people rise to make better decisions so we can have better results. And so I thank you and I praise you and I give you glory and honor, healing in our nation, healing in our hearts, healing in our families, and blessing to our future. I declare in Jesus' name, amen. Well, I pray you enjoyed our study in James. I hope you learned a lot and I hope you just understand there's a lot more we could say, but you just have to jump in and say what you can say within the time you have allotted and we did a little bit just to give you a sample of the power of the book bottom line in chapter three was that you need to watch what you say the bottom line in chapter four and five you need to live right so you can receive god's best in your life it's up to you to make the decision he wants to heal the sick he wants to bring life and blessings to all of our lives but if we're not willing to align ourselves then he can't help us so i want you to think about what we said today let me pray for you father let this be a powerful moment of healing and grace May those who've heard it find healing and blessing, and we give you all the praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for joining me on demand. See you next time. More studies down the road. I'll see you then. Bye-bye.